welcome to the podcast about people. I'm Daniel Lance. I'm Paul Gilman, and this is Podzo One. Courtney Farrell is a speaker, writer, poet, and as of this podcast, a singer with boundless energy, infectious positivity, and an inspiring willingness to not take life too seriously. This conversation, we talked about many things, among them being her TED Talks on coming of age, motherhood, spontaneity, how to get out of a speeding ticket, the miracle of existence, and more. She's also starting a podcast with former guest Mason New that will be focused on joy. Joy is certainly a good word to describe Courtney and to describe this conversation, and we are excited to share it with you. So here's Courtney Farrell. So, all right, let's get started. Courtney Farrell, welcome to Pod So One. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for joining us. We're excited to have you. I was actually looking at a um, at a book earlier today for a little inspiration. Amy Krauss Rosenthal, who's one of my favorite people ever. She writes children's books, but also writes a bunch of adult books. And there was one thing in there that said, um, a snowflake takes two hours to fall from the sky. And I was just thinking like, oh, it's kind of cool that tonight I get to go like for a couple hours and just do nothing but that one thing as opposed to my normal life, which is to do 80 things at one time. Wow. So it's just like a little, little, and it's cold down here. So it's a little, it may snow. Snowflake is on my mind. It is a little chilly though. That's very deep. (laughs) It is deep. It's deep. Thank you. Yeah. Because that's all the snowflakes worrying about is just floating down. That's right. Just chilling hours. out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're glad that you could join us and float down. Yeah. Um, we should probably mention the reason Courtney's, one of the reasons Courtney's here is she knows Mason. That's right. Mason yeah. and I are great friends. Mason knew. Mason knew is a godfather to my children. I am a godmother oh, wow. to wow. His, his children. So super tight. Super tight. We lived at a, uh, we lived at a boarding school together in Alexandria, Virginia, Episcopal High School. So we were all dorm parents to about... I don't know, 64, uh, 14-year-old boys. Woo! It was really a very smelly and amazing experience. <laughs> yeah, but boy puberty is not, doesn't smell good. No. No, I know a lot about it. <laughs> Maybe too much. Too much. <laughs> and was that in Virginia? It was, yeah. I actually my, I married my husband, and we moved there about three months after we got married. He moved me on to a, a dorm. With so... How was your first reaction to, you know, honey, we're going to live in a dorm with a bunch of 14-year-old boys? Yeah, I said, whatever you do, don't move me out of that dorm. And then we got to Episcopal. I was like, oh, I wouldn't mind being in that dorm. They were really sweet little apartments we got to live in. It was amazing. Really? It was so amazing. The stuff you learn. Every day, somebody needed you. Like, you walk out of your door. Boys are interesting because they only, you all know this, being boys. Sure. They don't, they're not like young girls. Young girls always have a problem. Like the little things take a lot of energy if you're going to try and like parent them. But with guys, nothing takes a lot of energy except for the big stuff. So you can always just like see a kid and you'd be like, Andrew Shields, step into my office. What's going on, man? You look like you're down. And then you can like just, it's just awesome. Wow. I like that. It's like offensive. uh, It's an offensive strategy almost. Yeah. And then the ridiculous stuff that happens, like... There's this one kid named Chris Lopez. I know this is off track. No, it's all good. Yeah, you're fine. This one kid, Chris Lopez, the freshman boy. I I was pregnant. I was carrying up groceries from my car, and I just happened to walk past his room. I'm like, hey, Chris, uh, you don't have to do this. I'm just asking, but do you mind helping me take the groceries out of my car? And he looks up, and he goes, "Uh, no, thank you. (laughs) And I just stood there, and I replayed what I had said, which is, you don't have to. And I thought... Ooh, okay. I should have worded that differently. So I walked back into my little apartment and f- no more than five minutes has passed. In comes Chris Lopez. And I think he's coming to help me. I said, Oh, Hey Chris, 
great, I'm glad you're here. He goes, yeah, Miss Miss Farrell, I'm I'm kind of hungry. Can you can you make me a sandwich? No. <laughs> oh yeah, you can't make it up. And I said, well, Chris, I'd love to. But the things to make sandwiches are down in my car. So why don't you run downstairs and bring up the groceries and we'll make it happen. Wow. But that's just a little, that's life on a boarding. Chris Lopez learned Chris the lesson Lopez. that day. Chris Lopez. Maybe. I think maybe I was the one that learned the lesson. Oh, yeah. to, to ask questions with a clear yes or no? Yeah. This, there's no no. There's hey, no Chris, no. get up. Go get the groceries out of my car. Right? Mm, maybe. Mm-hmm. Not, not a question. Not a question. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. So you and Mason are thinking about doing a podcast together. That's right. We are. What, what are the topics going to be? What's the theme going to be? Joy. Just, just joy. Unadulterated joy. Unadulterated joy. If this world doesn't need that, I don't know what it is. It's just yeah. every time Mason and I get together, we make each other laugh. We tell stories, and it's just like it's the heart of it all. So we thought we'd try and see if we could spread a little joy. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. We have a long way to go. This is like, this is... This idea has just birthed itself. So well, now both of you have been in front of a mic. That's right. On a podcast, and so you'll you'll ease yeah. into it and you'll love it. I think we will. Yeah, let's uh, let's transition into into uh, birthing. Um, you, uh, I watched a TED talk. Uh, this may uh, be the most awkward transition we've ever had. <laughs> that was. What are we? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of twice, let's talk about birthing. <laughs> I think you said you said the idea was birthed in your head. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna <laughs> take my chance. There it is. You're <laughs> making the connection. <laughs> and I, you know, I was like, I gotta hit it while it's fresh. So let beeline for it. Um, so you have given TED talks before in, in the past, and one of the TED talks you were visibly pregnant for. Um, and I remember watching it and. Uh, it had about 18,000 views on it. And I was like, okay, so Courtney is like pretty legit. Like she's got her name out there. Uh, and then, and the TED talk itself was incredible. And then YouTube lined up the next video in, in the recommendation list. And it was another Courtney Farrell TED talk with like 1.7 million views. And you're like, what? She's coming to Paul's basement? <laughs> and I was basement? like, hold on a second. <laughs> and, I, and I like went back and forth. You know, you had shorter hair in the first one than you had in the second one. Like this one, is the same person? Same yeah. person. Yeah, I don't understand how those numbers happen. It's, it's a mystery to me. I don't. I'm very. I'm like the Bermuda Triangle of technology. So, you know, once every six months, I'm like, I'll go check that thing out. So I'm like, oh, oh wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think YouTube does some weird magic under the hood where it, rec- it recommends different videos to people. But no, I mean, both of them were really great. Um, Thank you. I'd love to uh, hear the second one uh, was called Girl Up. Yep. Um, and in it, you brought a, a woman out of the audience onto the stage That's and right. sat down. Tess or Tessa. <laughs> yeah, it was Tessa. So, yeah. Something like that. I called her the wrong name. I think the whole, like every other time I talked to her. Yeah. I think, yeah. At one point you made a rhyme and then you rhymed it with Tess, but like. Yeah, Tess is a mess. She's yes. a mess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Man, you really remember it very well. Well, it was a, it was, it was a, I like that moment. It was a good moment. It was cool. It was, it was RVA, right? It yep. was Richmond. And uh, you brought her on stage and you gave the entire talk just to her. And said the audience doesn't matter. They can listen, but this is just me talking to you. And then you proceeded to give this message of like empowerment and a, a really cool message. Um, I was wondering how you came up with that idea. Well, uh, there are probably two things. The first is living on a at a boarding school. It wasn't just an all boys boarding school. There were girls there, and I helped to coach cross country. And I met these incredible girls. They were so cute and full of life and full of energy and got good grades and were leaders in school. But I realized just by spending time with them that they really didn't know a lot of things that maybe you should know as a young girl, like the power of mystery or um, uh, just the things about their body, just all sorts of things about girls that I think they should know for some reason no one's telling them. Mm. And some of the things I think that a mother may want to tell their children, but for whatever reason, it was getting mixed up in 
cooking dinner and getting kids to soccer games, that there wasn't sort of this time for this really important pass down of knowledge. So that's one. And then the other thing, how I decided to do it to just one person was at the time I had a massive concussion. Um, I'd flown in from Texas and I had no idea what I was going to say. And I got to the rehearsal, like the TED rehearsal. I didn't realize that they actually were going to make you give your speech oh, wow. before. And I, <sighs> I, um, <clears throat> I thought in the moment on the stage, they said, so give your speech. I said, well, um, instead of doing that, why don't we just, well, we can just grab a chair. Let's give a chair. We'll put it right here. And I think I'll just, uh, just do it to one person. And anyway, I thought it would be <laughs> nice. easier to talk to one person than the entire audience. Uh, plus, it's, it's just, I mean, those topics were pretty, like, they were how to date and how to flirt yeah. and how to trust your gut. They weren't things that you sort of just blatant, blatantly tell a full audience. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I think having it be a one-to-one giving of advice made it way more powerful, especially when it came to um, knowing you have to like pre-visualize yourself in certain situations where you're going to get pressured to do certain things or dating situations, and you have to know what you're going to say and do before that. And I think um, you giving that advice directly to Tessa rather than uh, this sort of abstract, broad audience uh, really was more effective. You know. I don't, know, I don't know if you saw it, Paul. The... I, I saw the other one, the one that got 17,000. Oh. I've not seen this one. <clears throat> okay. I've seen you uh, in a video where you were pregnant, but you were not on stage. You were outside somewhere. Okay. Yeah, yeah that was Yep. That was probably like how to get a, the audition for the TED Talk. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, with, I was going to tell you something. Hold on, let me tell you. So uh, One-to-one effectiveness. Yes, it was one-to-one effectiveness. Um, Hold on, with Tessa. Mad money. Uh, yeah, that's right. And then the dating thing. The dating. And then, oh, I'll get there. It came in and it left. Okay. It'll come there in a second. Wow, you really watched it. You, <laughs> you're internalized on no, that. Daniel's on his A game now. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. so. Um, yeah, I like it. No, it was, uh, it was really cool. And the first thing I did was send the video to my girlfriend. And I was like, hey, uh, uh, you know, I'm interviewing this woman tomorrow night. Do you have any questions? Because she's a girl and I'm not, you know. Yeah, like, does she have questions? Yeah, and she said, no, but I feel like that's a message that everybody needs to hear. And, I, and uh, like young girls and big girls, like what she called herself. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just cool that it resonated with her. And I think it, the reason it got so popular on YouTube is because I think it resonated with a lot of Women that were probably like, oh, I wish I'd heard this when I was a kid, or it's nice to hear this now, finally. It is also a message to all of us, which is, uh, we said it, Tess is a mess. Like, you know, young guys coming up, they kind of like, they need someone to step in and be like, hey, shave, mm-hmm. cut your hair, put on a nice suit, come on into the job interview, whatever else. But girls will have it all pulled together. So you're like, oh, she looks so pulled together. She's fine. So, mm. You know, that we reach down and like pull people up and, and anyway. Yeah. yeah, you can watch it. I'll, I'll like, probably said it better that day. Girls have it all together, but might not have it all together on the inside. No, they're mean? a mess. Yeah, they don't have it together at all. They just look and smell good. That's all. Like, yeah. Okay. And guys don't care how they smell. Well, here's a fun question. Part. So I'll, I'll get you three more views for that one because I have two daughters and a wife. Great. Um, my teenage daughters don't really talk to me. Huh. What's that all about? Is, um, that, is that I'm just an awful dad? I don't think I I think you're an amazing dad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I, what I was going to say, so I'm going to answer that question. So one of the things I was going to say to what you were saying, if you don't mind, because sure, I'll please. lose it in just yeah, a yeah. second, is I have a very well-developed internal world. I mean, I talk to myself all the time. Right I, pl- I play out situations that may happen. Like if I ever win the lottery, I've got it. I know my face. I know what I'm going to say. Mm. If there's ever someone that c- confronts me aggressively in a parking lot, I am ready. Like I, can, I go through that stuff. Nice. So it's not a good, like if someone were to look in my windows, they would be very entertained because it's just a, <laughs> I grew up in a world without cell phones. So it's just yeah. like, and my cars never work. You know, like the radio, they always had like a quarter to change the station. 
So there was a lot of free time in my young life, and I've just carried it over. So mm. we were talking about Tessa, or Tess, again. Yes. Tessa, forgive me for whatever your name is. <laughs> but like just being able to practice these things that happen to us in life, like actually practice them so that when they happen, you're not caught off uh, guard. Right. Mm. Okay, your daughters, your daughters will talk to you. I just met your daughter upstairs. She is awesome. <laughs> yeah, she does. She does talk about, to me. It's really I know the, she does. It's really the other one. <laughs> oh, really? That's why you just like, you just go for a walk. Yeah. Yeah, we're going for a walk, and we're just going to keep walking until there's some conversation that goes on Okay, here. I'm going to try think. it. Yeah, why not? And I always, it's great if my kids don't want to talk, then I'll just jump into the topics I want to tell them about. Okay. Yeah, it's all, my, my daughter calls them awkward car talks. Because <laughs> I'm like, you know, this is a great opportunity to talk about sex. <laughs> Do you guys know how babies are made? And they're like, yeah. So I'm like, remember, it starts with the ovaries, and then they're fallopian tubes. I always start with the ovaries. By the way, for all parents out there who are trying to figure out how to talk to their kids about that, Start with the ovaries. Mm, I like that. Yeah, because then you're like, from ovaries, you can go to the rest of them. Like, all the rest of the words fall in line after ovaries. Yeah. It does, yeah. It's a nice way to kind of back into it. Yeah. Totally. And if they ask you any questions, like, we used to be living in Dallas. There was this huge sign on the highway we passed all the time that said, condoms are us. And my kids were starting to learn to read. I was panicked that they were going to say, like, what's a condom? And then I was like, I could just be like, remember I told you about the ovaries? I could start and then buy time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So. so you had already visualized that whole pro- I had already I'd already pl- yeah, I planned that in my quiet moments. As How would you do know. that? Totally. <clears throat> yeah. That works. We're still yeah. in the, we're still in the whole uh, birthing concept here kind of. We sure birth, are. Birth and bees. In some ways we never get off the birthing concept. <laughs> well, actually, um, I'll tell you. So, I've been fascinated recently with this this like the fascination of being born. Like if you think about the randomness that you are here. Like you that your parents happen to both go to a fraternity party and happen to be at the, you know, the keg at the same time to bump into each other to say right. hello and it, you're here. What if one of them had gotten sick or, mm. you know, like something else had happened. They hadn't done their homework. They stayed late. They went to a different party and yet here you, here you are. I find this fascinating, just the idea of being born. Mm. And in our family, my great-grandmother is a big, big, big figure in our family and she married, obviously, my great-grandfather. But... My great-grandfather was 20 years older, and he had gotten married before to this woman named Susie Morris, and she died on their honeymoon of, mm. of a fever. And we have a huge portrait of her in our house, which I think is kind of funny. It's hilarious. No, it's totally, it's totally funny. Every time I walk past it, I'm like, I love that I'm in this family. We like pay homage to Susie Morris who gave her life so that we could be here. And mm. I actually, I wrote a poem about it. If you don't mind, I'm going no, to read it. Please, is that okay? My, yeah. this, this is our first poetry in the podcast. Oh, oh, I got a lot of poetry tonight. We're, we're like poetrying it up tonight. This is such a treat. I love poetry, and I like the kind that all poetry teachers hate, um, which is the kind that rhyme. Oh, it's yeah. iambic pentameter. Mm. And so just as I tell you this, like my family's like a little bit old Virginia. They married their first cousins for many generations, which explains a lot about me. <laughs> you know, like I'm a little weird. I know that, but I have like something I can point to. Some people are weird. They don't have any reason why. Yeah. I can just be like you can write cousin marrying, yep. right? Boom. Done. So we talked about ovaries and cousin marrying. Here we go. So let me just give you a little background. So my grandmother, um, Ruth Nelson, she, um, she was raised on this little farm out in Montpelier, not far from here. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, she was actually born in Shanghai, China, oh. because her parents were missionaries. And she got brought back to 
little little place out here called Oakland, and that's where she ended up falling in love with yes, her first cousin, who she ended up marrying was twenty years older. This is so creepy by like twenty twenty standards, but apparently I'm told this was normal back then. Mm. Uh huh. Right. Just you can keep looking I, that I, way. I thought you were kidding. I wish I were. Yeah. Wow. Again, it explains so much. Um, <laughs> but she went she went away to Kentucky for a little while and fell in love with this lieutenant governor, and um, she was going to elope with him. And then for some reason, oh, she, she agreed to marry him and came home. And instead of marrying him, she married my, my grandfather. Wow. So here we go. Uh, Susie Morris, pudding in pie, the typhoid feet of her made her die. At the height of beauty and age on her honeymoon with Rosewell Page, that Claysmont girl with charm and cheer wed and died in a month of a year. Seven years later, a lieutenant gov met Ruth Nelson and fell in love in a Kentucky on a visit with her brother, far from home from father and mother. She said yes to, marry, to his marry me and returned to her home as a bride-to-be. But back in Virginia, her home of birth, that Oakland girl of might and mirth, did steal the heart of Rosewell Page, a man of 20-plus her age, and thus she broke her engagement plan and married instead Susie Morris's man, a man she'd known for all her life and was in the wedding with his first wife, a man she called both cousin and kin, became her husband in the end. And so it's thanks to a fever and a wedding mist that all of us pages do now exist. That is some hardcore depth to the topic that you shared with me over text. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know what you were going to do with it, but wow. So that's there just, it is. Wow. let's be honest. Let's all just say it. Like, that's weird. Okay. <laughs> we can just say it. We can acknowledge it, but that's history. And you can't yep. like pretend like that yeah. didn't happen. Yep. I was going to tell you, so being born, just for a second. Hit so, it. So I am the third child of Anne and Rosewell Page. I have an older sister. I got a brother who didn't make it past the first month of his life due to a faulty crib. Mm-hmm. And then I came along. And when I was born, um, I had kind of a twisted tummy. So I spent the first six months of my life in the hospital. Oh, wow. Not an MCV. I was born at St. Mary's, but then went on to MCV. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother, who's this old country woman, and she was wonderful. She had these like milk in hand. She milked cows. These just strong hands that were so soft and, and Miller's thumbs. And I just adored her. And her like little blue bathrobe and her ice retainer slippers and she'd make us batter bread and we'd sit down at this big long table and then she'd tell me about my first Christmas and she'd say your first Christmas I remember it perfectly she said you weren't any bigger you'd gone down to two pounds mm. and she said your oh. leg wasn't any bigger than my pinky and she'd hold up this little pinky had this visual and she said I told your grandfather that I was going to go into town to see you again she lived out in Montpelier it's about 45 minutes away from the hospital and he told me, that's what she said, he told me I couldn't go. It was icy on the roads and I wasn't allowed to go. And so I looked at him and said, fine, I'll go feed the animals at the barn. And she got in the car and drove to Richmond. <laughs> and when she got there, my doctor, Armstead Tallman, was there on Christmas morning. He wasn't on duty. He'd just come down. Mm-hmm. And he was standing at my incubator and he had his hand in my incubator on my little leg. And she'd hold her pinky up, his big hand, next to my little leg. And he was singing Silent Night oh, wow. to me. And mm. she'd tell me this story. And I, every time she'd tell me, I could feel my cheeks burn and get so excited about this moment. And I, um, so I had a lot of pride about that story. It's just strange. Mm. I didn't have any. She'd just go through and she'd tell me all the time. And I remember um, seeing Dr. Tallman a couple of years ago. And I walked up to him and I said, Dr. Tallman, I've got to tell you. I have to thank you. I have loved, I have loved my life. I have loved every piece of it. I love the good times and the hard times. And it's just every sunset, every meal, it's just everything has been so exciting. And I just, I, I thank you. Thank you so much for my life. And he said, he looked me in the eye, he said, I have no idea why you're alive. 
I have no idea why you're alive. And so that like stuck in my head a little bit. And then I was reading this article about water crystals. Just go with me here. This is a little weird. All right. Okay. So I was reading this article about water crystals. And if you play a classical song like Beethoven's Ninth around a water crystal, you can look this up on your computer. If they show it, it turns into a snowflake. While, while it's playing the music, it goes from a blob of water into a beautiful, unbelievable snowflake, which is the most magical thing I've ever heard. Like that, that to mm-hmm. me is like real magic, right? Play a song, water turns into a snowflake. So babies, I looked up, babies are 78% water. So all he did was come down there on Christmas Day, he sang some classical music, he turned 78% of me into snowflakes, which are magical, and that's why I lived. Ah, there yeah. it is. There it is. Yeah, anybody could have figured that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You should have told him that when when he. Well, when you know, un, un, honestly, he's died since. But I mean, you know, we we've talked, we've talked. Yeah. He knows. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's I, it's just exciting. I just thinking about the idea of like being born is such an, an amazing thing. I don't know why mm-hmm. when people are introduced, you're know, like, let me introduce you to Paul. He went to Harvard and then he was a CEO <laughs> of a major bank. And by the way, and he was born. Everyone should be like, oh my god, this is amazing. Like the the odds of this happening, incredible. Oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah. That's hilarious. My 19 year old doesn't understand being born and how all of it works because for years he would say, Dad, why didn't you marry? A taller woman, and I said, <laughs> and I said, I said buddy, "Buddy, you wouldn't be here if I hadn't married your short mom." <laughs> Has he figured that out yet? He's, he's, he's good. He's now. Like, okay, I'll take yeah, it. He's good now. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, it really sounds like the women in your family have no shortage of, uh, I guess, the bravery and the, uh, you know, your grandmother is a force of nature and. And you know, leaving and saying she's gonna feed the animals, but then coming to see you. And you got it. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Do you, do you think that there's something about the the feral or your your family? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll clean ferals too. I'm a feral. I'm proud to be a feral. I got married 17 years ago, and the page ferals we are equally as uh, as weird. Is not the right word. Maybe it is actually. Now I think about it. we're just equally as out there. So my mother-in-law, nice. I married into a strong woman family too. My mother-in-law. If you invite her to brunch, she's coming dressed as bacon and eggs. You know, if you invite her to a dance party, she's coming dressed as a nun because what's more fun than a nun like dancing as hard as they can? That's incredible. If, if it's a hot day, she'll invite you to go swimming, but she forgets to tell you that it's at a public fountain. And you're like, are we allowed to do this? She's like, we have 10 minutes. Come on, jump in. Like, she's like wide open. I, I lucked out in the mother-in-law category. Wow. One, 1,000%. Is she still like that? A hundred percent, yes. Oh, in fact, awesome. one time... Uh, the first Easter my kids were born, she she dressed up as the Easter bunny, only not in like an, e- an actual Easter bunny. She dressed up with bunny ears and a tutu and spandex, um, which was funny when we were just all alone, right? But then we thought it would be interesting to convince her to go to church in that outfit. And we went to like a little country church that doesn't have a lot of sense of humor when you're talking about God. Um and some people might agree with that. I think a sense of humor works with God too, but um, not in this little church. So she, we rolled in and we sat in the front row. So we had to walk down, hop, whatever, down the aisle. And it, again, it was just a tutu and a and spandex. So the, you can see through a tutu and there was a white cotton tail. And um, nobody, nobody thought it was funny. And I, it, was, it was an Easter that I think none of us will forget because it was a very painful two hours or an hour in church. Um, and then afterwards, we walked out and got in the car. I was so embarrassed. She was so, we were all so just embarrassed. And we got in the car and she said, well, 
I don't need to do that again. <laughs> Which made me love her even more because I was like, oh, me neither. Do you think she would do the podcast? Oh, absolutely. She'd be, she'd be fabulous. Uh, there's another one. She'd yeah. be fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> that story alone we can get into. Oh, it's there are a million of them. There, she's, she's wide open. All the women in my family, mothers, mothers in general, I think, mm, you know, I'm yeah. strong. My mother is a force of nature. She's, um, I call her a sun because when you get around her, you fall into her orbit instantly. Mm. It's not about will. You're just like, and um, she's never met a bully she couldn't take down. Oh, nice. Mm. I've seen her nose to nose with six foot four, 300 pound men who disagree with her. And she's the one pushing forward. She's just, she's strong. When caller ID happened, people would call my house and you know, talk to me and she'd answer and they'd hang up. And she'd call right back and say, why'd you hang up? And they'd have to be like, because I'm scared of you. I'm actually, I'm frightened. And I've known you for like your whole life. Yeah. It's just, she's, she's, she's hardcore. Wow. Um, this reminds me that the mother talk, uh, on your, you have a website, um, and at the bottom of it, there's, I do? A, there's a quote, I, is it you or did I get I this totally I, wrong? I don't know, but is it awesome? Cause I'll claim it. It's well, hang on a second. Is are, it CourtneyFarrell.com? It, it is, but are you like a creative, um, by trade? Like, do you work with brands to like do marketing stuff? Kind of. Yeah. I work with, with the CEOs of big corporations and just help them think. Okay. So I think this is your website and this conversation crazy. would have it make sense <laughs> because at the bottom of it, there's a quote that says it's something like mothers are the true creatives. Yep. So that's not me, but I love her. I think it's spelled F A R R E L L. And oh, I'm telling you dude. because someone called me the other day what? and said, I looked this up. There's some other woman out there and she sounds amazing. So yeah. yay, yay, Farrell. I, yeah. Farrell. 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 Yeah, My Farrell. bad on that. But, uh, uh, okay, you're cool. a li- you're a linguist too. That's it's good to a know. Spelling thing there. <sighs> I know, dude, but I really lost my touch. <laughs> no, but you know what? I'll go with that because mothers are. I mean, I, my mother is like the, the explosion of creativity, mm. and everything she does is it's it's always about what the finished product is, the beauty, like the beauty in it, making it come to life. Mm. And she's wild, and she'll put it out there. Like when my sister would come home with dates, like the date would come to the door to pick her up. My mom would be like, we'd be eating. We always had dinner, always had dinner together. If you wanted to go out, it was after dinner. And we ate, by the way, at around 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Wow. That was just the rule. And we had an hour. It wasn't like fuel yourself and go. It right. was sit down mm. and talk and mm. this is what we're going to do. Well, the boy would come in. My mother said, well, come on in, come on. And then the boy would sit down and she'd say, isn't our dog just amazing? We had these 100-pound German shepherds. So he is so, he's so good looking. Isn't that a good looking dog? And the boy would say, yes, ma'am, he's a good looking dog. He's really, he's, he's quite heavy. Well, he looks heavy. She, Get up and pick him up. Come on over here. Get over here. Come on. I can't tell you how many boys I had saw like awkwardly trying to like wrap their arms around this big animal. And all you're thinking is like, you're gonna smell bad. You're like, the, this yeah. There's, is so there's, there's no good awkward. in it. My my sister can't think you're cute anymore because <laughs> this is so awkward. Oh. Um, but my you know, my mother was wise like that. You know, she was smart. Sense of humor too, for totally. sure. Totally. She had um, two imps that lived in her house, Clovis and Junius. Um, and so whenever Clovis was a, uh, if I remember correctly, a male chauvinist who didn't think she should be working. So Clovis <laughs> would take her keys and any of her like checkbooks or work things. So when she couldn't find it, she'd be like. Literally, she did. Like, Clovis, <laughs> where are my keys? Clovis, uh, that was. I just got your dog barking. Yeah, yeah. And Junius was all, a Junius was a cross dresser. She loved Junius, but Junius would take her like necklaces and uh, shoes no. she couldn't find. Yeah, so they they they're around. They're a thing. Little poltergeists. Yeah. Yeah, they're just little imps. Have they made it into your household? 
You know, um, so I have this is I have an invisible son. He's not imaginary. His name is Wilbur. He goes to Happy Meadows boarding school. Mm. They've been helping invisible children with their invisibility issues for years. And uh, he was born. He came out of my mouth one day. I had a cake in the back of the car, and the children were all getting in the car. And I said, "Don't sit there." And they said, "Why?" And I said, Be- "Because your brother Wilbur's sitting there." And they hooked onto that. Um, and so then I uh, got a call from school. And they had a um, uh, McGill's family tr- portrait. You know, he'd put all the family in, and he yeah, had yeah. included Wilbur. So uh, <laughs> I have an invisible son. And we also have a guy named Harold who lives in our basement who bangs on the pipes when the hot water heater is kind of crazy. But we just like, Harold's doing it again. <laughs> um, so my mom, I can tell you one more story about my mom. Yeah, can I, can yeah, I think yeah. she's just wide open? Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> we moved back to Richmond about six years ago from Texas. And we ended up moving into the house, a temporary thing, right next to my parents. Um, their house came up for sale. They let us live there until they sold it, basically. So one day I come in, and there's a rat that ran through the house onto the back porch. And I'm like, you know, I, I like animals, but I draw the line at rat, like mm. living with them. They can live in the world, but not like with me in my house. So anyway, I close up the doors, and I, I'm kind of freaking out. I go over to my mom's house and I say, I just called the exterminator. I got a rat at my house. And she said, well, go get it out. And I said, I got, no, I got the exterminator. She's like, oh, she calls her dog, Freddie, who's this little white, uh, what are they called? Um, oh, I don't know, Scotty dog, I guess. It's not quite right. Everyone will be mad at me for getting that, but it's <laughs> Scotty dog. We'll call mm-hmm, it that. Mm-hmm. A West Highland Terrier. There it is. Oh, bam. Nice, yeah, bam. Okay. yeah, bam. So they, she brings the dog over in walks the exterminator. All right, you can picture him. He looks like he's an exterminator, all right? And he comes in, and he's terrified. He, he's like, where is it? It's over there? Okay, well, i got to go get some equipment to deal with this. My mother goes, oh, ridiculous. Just go grab the sofa, and Freddie will go get him. She sends her dog in. The dog gets the rat, okay? The dog wow. corners the rat, and now the rat is in the corner. And she says, get him. And he goes, well, I don't have my equipment on. She goes, just put your foot on him. And so he doesn't do it and so she just just come on so she takes her foot and just puts it right on the rat okay so now he says well i gotta go to the car and get my gloves to pick it up she goes oh and she just reached down picks up the rat by the tail and goes and throws it away in the trash can so this guy has come out who is an exterminator and my mother's got his dog it's his job yeah it's his it's his job <laughs> right and she's got gotten the rat Wow. Wow. That's the most far that's the farthest opposite of someone that's like scared of bugs and doesn't want to kill things that I've heard. It's you know? crazy because she's also like pulled together like in a always immaculately dressed. Her hair has a seating chart. You know, it's like just perfect. And her so, hair so has you a wouldn't chart. you wouldn't actually think of her as being the one who would do that, but Yeah. Wow. And are you a uh, exterminator too? I'm like, not. I'm not. I just You're the one that called the exterminator, I right? I will call or I just can go over and, and activate. Yeah, I'm not grabbing a rat. I'm not grabbing a rat. Who grabs, I, who grabs rats beside your mom? I don't, I don't know. But maybe, she's tough. It's a, maybe it's a generational thing, too. Yeah, maybe. She's tough like that. I like that. So my mom, when she, was, uh, when she first married my dad, he got a scholarship. He got out of the Marines and then got a scholarship to uh, UVA Law School. And my mom, who's just entrepreneurial spitfire, she said, let's do this. Let's trade your scholarship in and see if they'll trade your scholarship for a list, for a mailing list of all the people who go to UVA. And for some unknown reason, they agreed to trade the, schol- the full scholarship for this mailing list. So to my mom, the mailing list is more valuable. It was gold. Yeah. Than a scholarship. So she started nine different businesses with that mailing list. And she put him through law school, also got him a place to stay. You know, they, like, they could live now off of all this stuff. They had a birthday cake business. My mom would make the cakes and my dad would be like, 
it's your birthday. Ba, ba, ba. I don't know. She'd force him into doing something like that. And, uh, and then she had a bunch of other like care, care package businesses and whatever else. So she's just like, you know. Wow. Are yeah. your parents around? Oh yeah. I'm yeah. so lucky. They're eight. So there, there's another guest or two. Sounds like. Yeah. Oh, full on. Yeah. Would, would your mom do it? Oh, she would do it. She's wide open. Is, is your podcast with Mason going to involve guests? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I mean, Mason and I are moderately interesting every other Tuesday, but guests are like kind of important. <laughs> That's about twice as often as, as Paul and I are interesting. I don't know. Y'all are... I actually, I actually for, so for Mother's Day this year, um, I didn't, I never know what to get. My mother can get anything she wants because that's her business. She like fixes up places and makes them nice and rents them. And she had a, she had a, um, a gift store for years and years. So you can't like get somebody something. So instead I just, I wrote her a song. Mm. I wrote her a country music song and, and sang it to her. Nice. Which was kind of fun. Do you play an instrument? I don't. And I actually don't have a good voice. Do you guys want me to sing it? Yeah. Cause well, you, can you, sh- all- you should have brought your, uh, banjo I or, brought or something. guitar. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see if I can do it. Oh boy. All right, let's see. The bar's so, about to get raised. So, for, first caveat. So, I had a country music career for one week. One can bliss. You, can okay. you call that a career? No, I think so. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cap it. <laughs> I got asked by Mary Kay to come speak to all of their consultants, mm. their beauty consultants, and there are ten thousand of them. There are a lot of them. Yeah. There, there are actually ten thousand. Like that's there are a lot. So they said, look, come give just talk for an hour to this group of women. So you go on. I mean, 10,000 is a lot of, a lot of people in one room. <clears throat> so they had me come down to New Orleans and I spoke and then they said, well, can you come back next year? We're going to be in Nashville. I said, sure. I'd love to. I'm kind of out of material now. I've already used up a whole hour mm. of material. So I had to come up with a whole nother hour of material because they don't tell you what to talk about. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to be in Nashville. I'm going to be on a stage in front of 10,000 people. They've already hired me. Right? Like, yeah. they don't know what I'm going to say. So, why don't I write a song and sing it on stage? Because then, like, all these people moved to Nashville. They struggled for years to have an audience of like 10. And, and some you're there. Little, I'm there. I've got the <laughs> audience. I'm there. Like, why not do it? Yeah. So, I did. Yeah. I, wrote a, I wrote a song about Mary Kay women um, and sang it. And, and But that's not the same one. This is going to be your birthday song to you. This your, is my birthday song. I was just saying, like, I, you know, I have had a career. You've had a career. And, and I don't have a voice and I don't play an instrument. You've had more, more of a career than probably most uh, national musicians. Yeah, there we go. With, with, that, with that big of an audience. So. <clears throat> All right, Good here we you. go. I'm going to try my best. Hit it. Like, I, I, I can remember the words. Hold on. Hold on. Because now I'll get a little pressure. Okay. Just yeah. give me a second. We're going to be quiet for a second. I'm going to have yeah. a Parkinsonian's moment. <laughs> it's all good. Okay, hang on. Um... This is going to be awkward, and it's going to take me like 10 seconds to remember. Can y'all hang it all a little awkward? Sure. Yeah. Should we look away? No, you can, you can stare at this awkwardness. It's fine. Okay. Oh, yeah. I remember. <clears throat> all right. Here we go. I'll take a little sip of my tea. Do you want like a pitch, like a note to start on mm-hmm. or anything? It doesn't matter. I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep to it. Okay. <clears throat> You better dip your foot in the foot dip bucket. You better come and part your hair. You better sit at the table with the proper manners, Mabel, and eat all the food she put there. You better say yes, ma'am, and look her in the eye when she says to jump. You better say how high, cause she's a Kentucky woman at five foot three, and she's not afraid of you, and she's not afraid of me. Don't mess with mama, you know that's right. Don't mess with mama, she loves a fight. Don't mess with mama, you can have no doubt. She brought you in this world, and she can take you out. (laughs) 
Well, my mama drives like Mary O Andretti and never heeds a double yellow line. She'll claim that she is kin to a trooper now and then to get out of paying her fines. Well, she can stand up to bullies and she can kill a rat with a kitchen knife and stuff like that. And she's a debutante with a dirt green thumb and she don't suffer fools and she never chews gum. I don't mess with mama, that dog will bite. I don't mess with mama, she loves a fight. I don't mess with mama, you can have no doubt. She brought you in this world and she can take you out. Well, you may be a commissioner or a contracting man or a Yankee sitting on the beach on her sand. Yeah, you may be a... Okay, don't, don't mess up. You may be a... Ugh, worst. Hang on, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. So let me start over. You, know, you may be a commissioner or a contracted man or a Yankee sitting on the beach on her sand. Or you may be a neighbor who won't pay his share. But if you mess with my mama, you better beware. Well, she was born to be a lady, so her hair looks nice. But don't be afraid. She won't pay full price. Yeah, you may be a Democrat who voted for Obama, but you don't stand a chance if you try and cross my mama. I don't mess with mama. You know that's right. I don't mess with mama, she loves a fight. I don't mess with mama, you can have no doubt. She brought you in this world, and she can take you out. Well, my mama makes more calls than Alexander Graham Bell, and all the state officials, they say they know her well. And if you don't like her style, well, you can go to hell, cause she's my mama. And then the refrain. There we wow. go. There. That's a really good song. There's, my, there's a song about my mama. What, which birthday for your mom did you sing that? That was Mother's Day. Oh, Mother's Day. Yeah. yeah. How, how old was your mom on Mother's Day? Oh, she's about 80. She's not okay. 80 yet. She'll be 80 on Christmas Day. She was born on Christmas Day. <sighs> and her dad was a preacher. Hmm. Yeah, bishop for the Episcopal Church. Okay. Somebody should put that to music. Somebody, somebody. No, no, with a voice. He, he's, uh, Can you do no, that? No, no, no. Can I'm you gonna, do that? Are I'm, you music? I'm going to take your voice. Yeah. And I'm going to put music underneath it. Really? Well, I'm not going to make promises. Okay. Because I, I messed know. up. Can you edit out the mess up? Uh, I'll put in like a solo or something, okay. you know, like a little okay. riff. Yeah, okay, good. With you kind of just, oh, no, you know, in the middle oh, of so it. And, and maybe Sorry. that could be uh, how you... My second uh, song, my second big coming out since Mary Kay, yeah. Your intro into your podcast, you can have that song play. Oh, there you go. A little, little clip of it. No, that was really good, and, and you can tell that there's a lot of uh, effort put into the lyrics, of that. I mean, that, you that was, kept going. That was, that was, I did. It was, and you were like, surely she's finished now. I was like, here we go. <laughs> okay, we're gonna, here we go. We're coming to the end. My next thing I'm going to say. Did, did, did your mom really enjoy it? She loved it. Say, I bet she yeah, did. Yeah, she loved yeah. it. Because it was super creative. And yeah, but not thoughtful. many people can say like, that dog will bite and have their, that's what I'm trying to tell you. My mom is awesome. Like you can say that to her on Mother's Day and she's like, I loved it because I will bite. And I'm glad you know, don't mess with me. Like there's a part of her that's like, they've got it. You know? Oh, man. Yeah. I have an idea. Okay. Your mom, you, and one of your daughters on the podcast. Oh, that would be interesting. Oh, my, yeah, my daughter, would, my daughter would be a neat one, too. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. She's, she's a wild one. Yeah, we, we love doing, uh, we've done generational stuff before. Really? And, you uh, have one daughter, too? I have two daughters and a son, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. My gotcha. oldest is, um, yeah. Tell us about yeah. them. Tell us about your kids. So, um, how do you tell you about your children? They're like, you know, the CPS hasn't taken them away from me yet. I know that would be the first thing I would say, which is awesome. I've parented by benign neglect. Um, I feel like it's raised great kids. You know, they can cook for themselves because they should you know, be independent if they want to eat. Yeah. Right? I told them early on, like I'm, I'll, I'll cook breakfast. I'll do dinner. Sorry about that. And um, it's right oh, it's right in front of you. Sorry, there's my mom. So should we say hello? Yeah, to her? yeah. Put her on speaker. Hey, Nana. 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 Hey, Nana.
Oh yeah, I'm I'm on it right now. Now you're on it. Where is it? I'm in Ashland. Are you in Ashland? I'm in Ashland. Oh, how do we listen to it? Well, you know, you're actually on the podcast right now. You're actually listening to it right now. Yeah, you're listening to it because you're on. We just finished talking about you for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I know, so I'll explain how podcasts work later, but they're not can something I, that... Can I see it? I mean, can I see it later? Yep, this is a whole, like, this is a little generational thing. Podcasts you don't see, you hear them. But they're, it's not like the radio. They get taped and then they get put on, they get put on the internet later. Oh, I see. So we'll be able to listen to it. We will. Nana, could you tell me a little bit about uh, just, like, what, what's the... What's the bully you've taken on that you're most proud of? What's the bully? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I know, it's hard to think through them. There's so many. I, there really are. <laughs> oh, goodness, Courtney. I know I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to be on your podcast. This is something I have to think about. you got to have somebody's a quicker reflex. <laughs> okay, I love you. I'll call you later. I love you, too. Okay, Bye. goodbye. She's like, oh, there are too many. All right. That made her sound really old, by the way. She's not, she doesn't, she's not that old. Mm. But she clearly doesn't know what a podcast is. <laughs> there are people my age that don't know what a podcast is. Yeah. How can I watch it? Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe someday we'll do Is video. it on Channel 6? <laughs> I think she thought it was like a radio show. Yeah. Like a yeah. live radio show. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. No. I'll get in my car and turn the radio on. <laughs> You probably could have gotten her to her car. Yeah, yeah. I could have, yeah. I yeah. have a bag of figs for you. Are you going to come over and get the figs? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, well, she'll enjoy hearing that, I think, when she listens to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were, uh, I think when your mom called, you were about to tell us about your uh, your kids not being taken away by the CPS. Yes, which is great. Thank you, CPS. One time, so I, you may have heard the story before, but um, I have parented fully on just, a, a creative spirit that, you know, I, that's, that's been my number one sort of fallback for parenting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my second daughter was going to, uh, kindergarten and my husband was in education at the time. So he was working at a boys school. Girls were being sent to this girl's school down the street. And, uh, it's the first day of kindergarten. So I, I took my daughter outside. I have all these little things I try and put in their book bag. Um, and, I said, bring out your book bag. Let's see if you're ready for school. And she opened up her little bag, and there's pencils and little crayons and some scissors. And I said, you're not ready. Where's your, where's your self-confidence? You don't have any self-confidence in there. And she's like just looking at me like a deer in the head. I said, come on outside. And so I went outside, and I took up a little acorn, and I put it in her hand, and I said, this right here, this acorn represents self-confidence because it knows it's going to be an oak tree one day. It knows it. It doesn't look anything like one right now, but it knows it's going to be an oak tree. It doesn't care what you say or what I say. I could yell at it and say, you'll never be an oak tree. It's going to be an oak tree. It's going to be this big pillar in its community. And um, that's self-confidence is knowing that one day you're going to be a pillar in your community. So I put that in her hand, closed up her little hand. I took her other hand and kissed her hand and said, that's love right there. That's a love of you, me and your daddy and your sister and your grandparents. And with a little self-confidence and love, you can do anything, including walking into school tomorrow uh, and not crying. And so she earnestly says, yes, she takes the two little things and puts them in her bag and goes in and we move on with the day. And the next morning we get up, big sister gets in the car, little sister gets in the car. We drive into school and out goes big sister, out goes little sister. And she just 
was walking. She's got an acorn in one hand. You can see the kiss in the other, two little fists holding out front, and she marches into school, just determined she's going to do it. I'm so proud of myself, I can't stand it. I'm <laughs> driving out thinking of which of my friends I can call to tell them that I now know exactly how to send your kid off to school. Like, I am so good at this. Yep. And I get home, the phone rings, and uh, it's the school. I said, oh, is, is Rosie okay? They said, yes, Miss Farrell, you know, Rosie's fine, but kindergarten actually starts tomorrow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you, you nailed it except for the right day. So I, was, I had it. I did it. And there was some part of me after the you know, embarrassment wore off. Um, like, that's how you parent. You know, you just send your kid to school the day before, and they, f- they figure it out. And then later, when something's hard in life, they can be like, this is nothing. My mom has abandoned me many times <laughs> in the wrong place. I'm good. Like, they walk in now, and they're like, oh, it's not the right day. That's cool. I'll sit here for about an hour and a half till my mom comes to get me. <laughs> so, yeah. My children are, one is a uh, 14-year-old. She's a runner. She's focused, and she's creative. She's like in a creative explosion. Her whole room has been taken over with, like, she gets. She starts designing her Halloween costume in in um, July. It's a really big deal. Not the trick or treating. The costume that she's gonna wear and make for herself. I've never made one for. She's always done it. Wow. And then my other little girl, this the second one. Um, she's all about people. She knows everyone's name, how they're connected. It's weird. It's like a little map lights up. If she met you all, she would have figured out what your connection is and who your relatives are and how it all fits into oh, her that's world. Cool. Just yeah. really cool. Yeah. And then I have an eight year old son. And I'm still figuring all that out. Mm. It's like just wild. Man. So, yeah. That's really cool. It's good times. Is uh, your oldest a mini you? Uh, my middleest looks like me. My oldest probably acts more like me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. That's very cool. You put big family uh, in the text to me when we were talking about things we might talk about tonight. How big is your family? And, and what did you mean by that? So my immediate family, there are five of us. Then for the family I have now. For the family I came from, there were only four. But we come from a gigantic family that all comes together at least once a year. Wow. Thanksgiving for us is 100 plus people. (laughs) We know every one of them by name. They're our first cousin, second cousin, third cousins, once, twice, and three times removed. We are all descendants of that grandmother I told you about, and we fully understand our connection. We have like we are a microcosm of the earth, man. We have our f- cousins from Alaska come down and bring salmon. We have our um, we have moose stew. We all get around, and I mean, who who has moose stew? And it's well, I've never a thing. had moose stew. Of course, you have. Yeah. It. yeah, we have it every year. Like this is just our family. We have people who are in the theater. We have people who have a concealed carry gun license. We've got Democrats. We've got Republicans. We've got like activists on both sides. We have it is like the full. We have people who love dogs. We have people with hay fever. I mean, it's like the full <laughs> spectrum. It's it's amazing, and we all come together for f- weddings, families, um, not families, weddings, Thanksgiving, and funerals. And we love each other and care for each other and talk about each other. It's like I don't need any soap opera. I don't need Netflix. I got a fam. I got a hundred person family. You want to talk about scandal? We got it. And everybody wanna- travels every time. Every we all come to the same place. We all like homing pigeons. We come back to this one piece of land that we all feel a connection to. Where's that? It's here in Montpelier. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, mm. and it's being from, a, I was asking my children this morning, what's it like to be from a big family? They just said, it's just, it's just so great to know that, you know, wherever you are, someone's got your back. Like, mm. you know, like someone's going to say, hey, I'm going to claim that person. They're mine. You know, and just 
whatever you believe, whatever you're into, we're going to find some connection to pull us all together. It's, it's exciting. I ended up marrying an only child, which is kind of funny because <laughs> I'm kind of glad because I don't know if I could handle much more family. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. That must be magical for your youngest daughter. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. It is. She's got it. She's yeah. got the whole family tree, exactly how people fit in. Everyone else is like, is that cousin Ruth? <laughs> well, especially once you get the third cousin twice removed. Yeah, it's, a t- it's tough. Yeah. yeah. It's like a fun family game, you yeah. know, <laughs> dinner table. I'm going to say a name and you all say how they're related. It's, and your daughter's always right. Always right. Yeah. Always. Good for her. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone's name. I'm like, like hey, girl. <laughs> Do, do, do you know his name? Um, I have to look down at the piece of paper. No. <laughs> Daniel? Am I close? Daniel Lestrade? Yeah. I did like a little mnemonic there. I get a lot of David, but you got it right. Yeah. My brain works differently. So names aren't things that my brain attaches to at all. Like mm. Songs I can attach to or something that rhymes I can attach to. But mm. my, my, my brain is sort of like... A little crazy. Mine doesn't the first time, but I, once I hear it a second time, I'm pretty good, usually. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'm terrible. I met a guy named Earl Glosser. I, I do remember. I was just playing golf one day, and this old man said, why don't you come up and play with me? So I, he was a professor at UVA, and I said, I'll play with him. And I was like, i got to remember this guy's name, Earl Glosser. Earl Gl- Earl's kind of like a little country, and Glosser sounds like glossary. So I go, I can't call him Earl because he's older than I am. I'm going to have to say Mr. Glosser. So I go to find his name in my brain, and it's like, Mr. Dictionary, Mr. <laughs> Table of Contents, Mr. Index. I can't get it. I can't get it. It's terrible. Now, of course, I know his name. I'll never meet him again. Right. right. It's really, it's very frustrating. <laughs> it doesn't help you at all. No, I introduce myself to my husband every morning when I wake up just to get one person right. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm Courtney. <laughs> right? You are wordy. Okay, let's go. Where you do those tricks where it's, you say, how do you spell your name again? And oh, yeah, then... and they're like, Smith? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, 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 your first your name. First... Yeah, Susan Smith. Right. Okay, thanks, Susan. I thought you had a really complicated middle name, like Rumpelstiltskin or something. It's, uh... It is. It's, I, I, have a, I think I, have, I must have some kind of learning disability. I think I do. I think I have dyslexia. I'm not sure if it actually, like, Qualifies as that maybe not classic dyslexia. No, it's like definitely weird dyslexia. But I, I, um, I kind of love it because I can see things that I I cannot see things that most people see, like Mm. you know names of important things, which is too bad because people care about their name and they see not knowing it as some sort of um, I don't like disregard for who you are. Um, I have so much energy for people. I just there's no space for the name. In fact, I was with a. uh, I was with the CEO of Krispy Kreme, mm. and we were like talking through a business um, issue, and God, I couldn't keep it in my mind, so I, ca- I would say things like, so tell me about the Dunkin' Donuts website. Oh. And he's like, well, I don't know about their website, but ours is very robust. And in my mind, I'm like, ah, oh. but also that's kind of funny. It's, and I, I did it. Like, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I did it three more times in the meeting, and the, the thing that made it so funny is I was there with this great guy named Kevin Orsi. And Kevin was just like buttoned up, you know, straight down the line, just got it all right. Got it all. Being yeah. right is the most important thing. And you can tell by now that being right is probably the last thing I really too much care about. And every time I'd say it, you could see him like, like his full body was like tighten up. And then I would, then I think it was funny. Um, oh, you're like, Oh, I, oh I, I can make you do that on command now. Oh yes. <laughs> It's it's an interesting little world when you you can't I can't hear sounds very well so like uh, for years I thought an MBA was an was an NBA mm-hmm. 
It's like a very subtle difference, but it's a pretty important one. And so yeah. I try and make this joke. I was like, well, you know, I might go get my NBA. It's like the closest to be to playing basketball. <laughs> I think nobody would really, it's probably not mm. funny anyway, but no one would really laugh. And I'd be like, are they not getting the subtlety of that joke? That's a good joke. <laughs> and then it's in co- okay. first yeah. college paper, we had a, a, ter- a term paper. It's a term paper, yeah, right? Yeah. Term. Yep. Not not in my not in my case. In my case, it's a turn paper because there's so mm. many pages you got to keep you turning turn them. them. Yeah, sure. Right. So like the first thing was like big red. I was like, what's wrong with that turn paper? Mm. So I put enough pages in there to turn. Was that, <laughs> took me a while to. Well, so the MBA thing that's actually a, a phenomenon called nasal assimilation. And really, you some noises you make and they're called nasals, and they're the noises you make when your mouth is closed. So mm and mm, uh, M and N basically. And then when you have a letter like a B, especially one that is voiced, so B is like a voice plosive and P is a voiceless plosive. So um, when you have an N, which is a nasal, next to a voiced plosive, that plosive takes on the uh, features of the nasal that comes before it. So NBA, like N kind of turns into M right before you say B because your mouth is making the same shape that it, that it uses for B to make M, right? Thank you for validating that for me. I, no, that's great. Yeah. I felt like I was the only person that that actually happened to. No, no, it's, it's common. And then another example that illustrates it is uh, the word phone book. If you say it kind of quickly and carelessly, yeah. it sounds like you're saying phone book with an, with an M because the-, oh, the phone na- book, yeah. Right? Because the nasal, the, the N assimilates to the B and it makes an M sound. So- Got it. That's- uh, We were just taking the school a little bit there. I know, a little that's, bit that's of like fascinating. I'm glad I don't have to spell any of the words that you just said, though. No, yeah, like no. You, you had some really complicated word in there. As, assimilation? No, I knew that one. <laughs> that Na- was, nasal? No, I got, those are the easy ones. What do you like? <laughs> Although those are hard to spell, but what, are, what about the, you used some other word that was really complex. It's like a triple letter score in Scrabble. Oh, um, you mean like plosive? Yeah, plosive. And that's yeah. not one you drop it like a, you know. No, that's like a linguistic a, term for yeah. a, a type of sound that plosive. you make. Yeah, it's like a puh or a tuh or a cuh. It's the kind that's like this just, you know, hitting sound. Um, All the sounds that are in cuss words. Yes, Plosives. exactly. Yeah, you're, yeah exactly it. right. Got it. So that's a little bit of linguistics. So you're not totally crazy. Um, but I do, I like what you're saying about you might not have the, uh, the book smarts and the getting everything right all the time, but you can probably connect dots that people don't even see are related and see like different dimensions of things. So that's... That's probably true, and it, it sort of it fascinates my creative spirit. I, so this is this is a weird story, but I was um, I was at a fiftieth birthday party in Dallas, Texas. So, in only a fiftieth birthday party in Dallas, Texas, would Lau Lovett come sing? Like that's just a normal thing. I come <laughs> with a couple, like t- twenty of our good friends, and hear Lau Lovett. So I'm sitting in this chair. It doesn't even matter if you like Lau Lovett, right? It's just. Love he's Lyle Lovett. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a master. So he's sitting up there. He's, I'm sitting here. He's 10 feet away from me playing. And I'm just, I'm watching him. And you know, whenever you perform, your creative spirit sort of leaves the confines of your body. If you're like, if you're putting yourself out there, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. And I was sitting there and I could feel my creative spirit, like kind of leave a little bit and go to the middle of the room and like hang out with Lyle Lovett. Not in a creepy, <laughs> weird way, but just in like a really awesome, just this, this feeling of being completely and utterly alive. Mm. So exciting. So I think a lot of the things that you get to see when your mind is a little tweaked are the things that excite your creative spirit. So stuff like, um, I was driving in, uh, Washington DC and it was really cold and a bunch of people were on strike. 
And I couldn't help but think like, it's cold and you're on strike. You should be at home with hot chocolate watching movies. Like it's a day off. Mm. What are you doing? Why are you standing out here in the cold? Snowmen could do your job, right? Like snowmen could be there. They don't mind being cold and they could have pickets. And I got this visual of snowmen picketing. Like, would that not be amazing Mm. to look out in front of the White House and see like a hundred snowmen picketing? And then once I think an idea like that, I can't not unthink it. Like it's there and then it sits with me and I try and go to sleep and it's like 100 snowmen picketing in front of the White House. This is genius. How can you sleep at an hour like this? So when that happens, I just go to the hardware store and I buy a hundred pickets and then I buy poster board and I make signs and then I wait for a blizzard. And so uh, I built a hundred snowmen. I couldn't get to Washington though because the snow came down so hard. You couldn't get up there. No. So instead, I was like, "Fine, I'll just do them in the streets of Alexandria." And then I realized, like, I'm not actually—I'm a really big optimist. I don't have a lot to complain about. Like, I just think this this life is so, is so amazing. This country's amazing. I just—I don't really have much to complain about. So I thought, well, I can't. I'm not going to complain about stuff or really picket stuff. So maybe what I'll do is I'll just picket pessimism and it'll just be like really positive signs. So we have a hundred snowmen built with positive signs that say things like, you know, concrete is no match for human imagination and call your mother and do you smell carrots and all sorts of things. It was, it was awesome. Anyway, but that kind of stuff like gets in your head. Do you have a picture of it? I have a video of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have a video. Of Can it. we get a still image from the video? Yeah. Oh, can you? Actually, that was a technical question. That's yeah, you. It's very yeah, technical. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that would be uh, that'd be really cool. I was gonna... Can we use that for the image for uh, the website? Sure. Yeah, yeah that's great. That sounds <laughs> amazing. <laughs> um, can we transition from that to weirdos and weirdish? Yeah, sure. So um, my daughter had um, had this little girl come over to play. They were in kindergarten. And uh, this little girl's name was Mountain Sky. Mm. Okay, so that's not an everyday name, right? You don't be like, oh, I'd like there three Mountain Skies in their, our class this year, mm-hmm. right? Like if you have Mountain yeah. Sky, that's that's your name. Yeah. And no one else has that, maybe, right? Maybe like ten people, but they live in different places. Anyway, so we have Mountain Sky over, and uh, the children play, and then at the end of the play date, this little girl whispers something into my daughter's ear, and I can tell it like got her attention, and. You know, I'm going to find out what was said. Like, basically, I'm going to spend the rest of my life figuring out what was whispered into her ear. So I, after I dropped the little girl off, I pulled Giles aside and said, what did, what did Mountain Sky say to you? And she said, well, I don't really want to tell you, Mommy. I said, well, what, what is it? And she said, she told me, she said, your mother's a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, look, and I said, I was really offended. I was really offended because like, if she had said your mother's weird, okay, totally, I'm on board. But Mountain Sky <laughs> called me a weird. Mountain Sky is five years old. She sniffed out weirdo, and I didn't like. What's going on at her house? You know what I mean. Right. I'm not trying to like mm. throw any stones here. I I liked her up until that point. She never came over again. I was done. She's trying to poison my child against me. Weirdo. Here's the thing. Weird is good. Weird's a compliment. Weirdo. It's the dough part I have, I have a problem with. Like, weirdo, like, if you're weird, you know you're being weird. You know, you're having fun with it. It mm-hmm. makes you laugh. If you're a weirdo, you have no clue. You have no clue that what you're doing is weird. Like, the dough part is just... It turns into sort of a, a pejorative from just... Totally. Like, yeah. a little weird. Like, he's, like, totally weird. Like, that's like, you know, that guy on the guitar, it's, like, weird. You know, like, there's, there's, yeah. there's some positive stuff with keep weird. Keep Austin weird. Yeah, that kind totally. Of stuff. Yes. Yeah. I almost crushed your foot. So. No, no, you're good. Yeah, keep Austin weird. Thank you. 
right? But that ends up keep Austin like a weirdo. Austin's full of weirdos. Nobody wants to have that be a city slave. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have an invisible son. Fine. That's weird. But that's not weirdo. Yeah, weirdos. It's bad. Right? That's bad. Super like, that's bad. like you don't own a comb, you know, and you're like. You're Everybody's just, laughing at you behind your back. Kind 100%. Of thing. Yeah. You're not trusted alone with children. I mean, you know, weirdo. That's yeah. just, that's strangers, creeps, and weirdos, right? It's not. That's, that's about as demeaning as you can get. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Can we go back to the word thing real quickly? <laughs> So you don't know this, Courtney, but I, I struggle with the English language and Daniel's almost mastered it. And so we have this running joke that uh, I can't deal with three syllable or more words. Right. So Scrabble's not your thing. Uh, definitely not my thing. Uh, and so when he said nasal to you, <laughs> he was thinking of me. He was not thinking of you. Oh, I didn't make sense. Nasal? You you asked if the complicated word that you had said. She was looking what? for plosive, oh. and you, you offered up nasal. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that's no, good. that was you're, definitely you're thinking of me. That was not meant to be a, a any kind of dig, but uh, that's that's hilarious. I um I love digs. In fact, my best friends. So I was just out in uh, Wyoming, but I um I'm kind of a tomboy, and. Uh, so my hair never looks like all the other girls' hair. I'd mm. like for it to. It just it just doesn't comply, right? So I've let it go. But anyway, I showed up out west. This is so boring only, but I'm going to talk about it. No, it's, it's let okay. me tell you something. My it. hair looked awesome. It looked so good. It was like flat and straight like all the other ladies' hair. It was so like, ugh. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took a picture, a selfie, and I sent it to my friends. I was hiking. I said, look, I'm out in Wyoming. And... Instantly, it came back. Someone said, is that Forrest Gump? And the next person said, no, it's a Sasquatch. And the next person said, have all the hairdressers died where you live? And then and then the conversation, which I thought was pretty funny. Then the conversation went on, and I, we were talking about when we'd meet up. And I said, let's do it in October because it's still kind of nice outside. And they wrote back and said, don't worry, Courtney, your hair will keep you warm. <laughs> so, I mean, that's uh, the fun part. That's yeah. the fun part of life. Yeah. Banter's amazing. Yeah. No, so, it, everyone it is. should banter. Yeah, it's something that um, I didn't come up with uh, too much of it. I guess there was some sibling banter, but uh, I didn't do it too much. And then meeting Paul, like, you know, Paul loves the banter. And <laughs> so there's a little bit of weirdness at the beginning because I. Because yeah, he, like, he, he'd, like, he'd zing you and you'd be like, <laughs> yep. Like, why why he, are you being so yeah. mean? He would <laughs> zing me and then I would just go into the fetal position and then drive home. So, and he, But he came back. <laughs> but I kept coming back. Yeah. yeah. So it makes you tougher. You can just oh, yeah. And it's really fun. It's fun to engage in it. Um, there's just like this. You got to find that the sweet spot, and yeah, also it's, it's you got to find the spot because if you go too far, then it can be hurtful. And if you don't go far enough, you're not entertaining. Yeah, it's like I think for people that were born in in banter and know how to do it effortlessly, it's like it's an art. But for someone who's coming at it from the outside, it's I, I it's have a tough. lot of appreciation for it. Courtney and I grew up with it. Yeah, we did. We oh, yeah. we were raised on it. Like if you couldn't if you couldn't zing them, you were gonna be. Oh, like, it's like be, lambs uh, to the slaughter. Oh, yeah. You know, and it was just, and you could, you if you showed that you couldn't take it or that it hurt, ooh, oh. ooh. My oh. husband and I actually have a healthy, healthy relationship because of banter. So we can tell each other really, like, revealing things, but we just do it in a really, like, I don't know, like, zinging way. Yeah, Right? Yeah. So one time we had this, um, one time we, we talked with one another. We said, do you, I said, do you want to do a dinner party? And he said, yeah, I wanna, I'll throw a dinner party. And so I thought through that conversation we had agreed that we'd throw a dinner party together, um, but that's not actually what ended up happening. And so instead of like having a mature conversation where we sit down afterwards and say like, "Come on, man, you gotta do more work," and instead of making me do it all, I just wrote a poem about it and read it to every single speech I had for a year, 
which is, I feel like, another really awesome way just to communicate how you feel. Because then it can be like, honey, you should watch the speech I just gave, right? And then you can hear, like, the audience's reaction to... You know, and so it can be like, there are like yeah. 500 people who agree that you should do a little bit more. Mm. Wow. So you want me to read that poem? I know you're going to ask me to. Yeah. Yes, sure. Yeah, okay. You can edit all these poems out if you want. No, no, no. We're no. keeping them all in. It's, yeah, you, just kind it's of part fun. of who you are. Okay. I actually think like, you know, some people go to therapy and I think you have to pay people for that. Like, right. You go yeah, yeah. to therapy and you yeah. pay someone to listen to you or you can just write a poem um, about it. And it just, it's great. Hang on. Mm. It's one of these. You got to just give me a second. Come on, man. Oh, here it, is. here it is. All right. All right. It's called Mind's Eye. When we first spoke about the idea of a dinner party, I could see the two of us laughing side by side, wearing matching aprons, you crying from the sting of the chopped onions, my hands deep in meat marinade. Once cooked, I would pop a piece of lamb into your mouth, and you would roll your eyes back and say something in Italian or French. Our guests would arrive as you put the final hydrangea in the centerpiece, and I would hand them each a glass of sangria we prepared together the night before. You'd give hugs and a welcome clap of joy at their arrival, despite having met just twice before, and quickly begin the tour of the presentable parts of the house. We'd smile under the glow of the brass art lighting and talk about the latest piece we just couldn't keep ourselves from buying. After the right amount of welcome, goat cheese, figs, and prosciutto, we'd make an easy transition to the table. Our meal would be a gastronomical aria, light but filling. We'd pretend we always ate this way, winking at each other at the triumphant joy of entertaining well. When we first spoke about the idea of a dinner party, I forgot temporarily that you don't hug as a matter of course, especially people you do not know, and you have never clapped your hands as an expression of joy. (laughs) We don't own matching aprons, and we don't yet have brass lighting for the painting I did last year as a way to pass time in a new town before friends to invite to dinner. And when we first spoke about the idea of a dinner party, I neglected to check the GPA web, uh, sorry, the PGA website to see if the distraction of golf would pull you from the task of trash and leaves scattered on the back porch. And it occurs to me as I stand in the kitchen, simultaneously preparing sangria and glasses I'd hand-washed, putting a final hydrangea in the centerpiece, mixing meat marinade while a tear runs down my cheek from the onions, that Tiger must be doing poorly in the opening rounds of play. Oh. And when I realize that when we first spoke about the idea of a dinner party, you could see all of this with perfect clarity. <laughs> so that's how we handle things in our family. You know, just like yep. write a poem, put it out there on a podcast or whatever. Yeah. Right? And, you could just you, be like, remember 10 years ago when we had a dinner party? That poem still plays. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it plays well. Yeah. No, that's a funny, that's a great way to, to go about it. Creativity and with a sense of humor. I don't know as much about it. I don't have a, a marriage experience. So I don't know, Paul, if you've ever engaged in any kind of creativity. No, I'm not creative at all. <laughs> this is about as creative as I get. I listen to guests talk about their lives. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure Lisa would disagree, but <clears throat> I'm sure she would. <clears throat> yeah, um, I wanted to ask a more general question uh, about the. It seems like motherhood's really important to you, and um, and 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 I guess I haven't really thought this question maybe, through. Maybe you're about to get into dangerous territory. I feel like. <laughs> No, it's it's just a. Um, I think that uh, there there's kind of this dichotomy out there in the ether, of like you're gonna be uh, a power mom who like has a career and kicks ass, um, or you you know uh, you're gonna be a, a mom that like focuses 100 percent on the kids um, and is like a stay at home mom and, and and is there to like raise them, and th- there's sort of di- a dichotomy between the two, 
And there's a perception that if you're going to be a, a career mom, you're not going to be as like present for your kids. Um, it's, it seems like through your TED Talks and through com- conversing with you, you're really uh, uplifting the vocation of, of a mother. Uh, but I'm wondering if you've ever had like uh, experience with that tension between those two uh, forms uh, in that dichotomy. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that holding two opposing thoughts in your head at the same time is sort of <clears throat> maybe what the essence of creativity is. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I see a lot of women out there who are career women. I, I've never identified as a career woman. And I see a lot of people out there who are a housewife. I've never identified with that. I think I'm a different species. I'm apparently a Sasquatch, according to my friends. <laughs> but like, don't knock it, because they must be pretty awesome Sasquatches. They just have bad hair. Mm. You know, I just, I've always uh, wanted to be with my kids as much as possible. And then also like have a have something have some purpose in life. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think of my work as like a little bit purposeful. I always tell my kids like, you know, like you heard how I came into this world. I have a crazy scar across my stomach. I have this. It's wild. It looks like I got bitten by a shark. Mm. I love it every time I see it. It reminds me that I'm tough. Like your cold showers. I just have to look at my scar. I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. got it. But my kids don't have a scar. They were born. They're fine. They don't have anything to remind them that like. Perfection is a silly thing to go after, you know, like you got to throw that out and just kind of go for a feeling or feeling alive. So um, I think that's the way I've approached it. And has that been hard? Sure. I don't have a nanny or a, a, a steady. I just sort of make each week, week work, which can get a little stressful. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's, I think things are stressful when you allow them to be as opposed to saying, all right. I don't have anyone, you guys. We're going to give a speech. You guys are going to sit back here and you're not going to talk. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to bring you out on stage and you're just going to, you know, whatever. And I'm, so it, yeah. it, um, my mom always brought me into everything. She, she was starting a business. We were there painting the fence. We were there running the cash register. We had to work. Um, but we didn't have to go work for someone else. We had to work like for the family. You learned mm. how to work. You learned how to have a job. We had a job since I can remember. I used to... to um, uh, buy food from a farmer, local farmer, and sell it down the street. And that would be like the penny money to get what you needed. And then we'd have a little shop at a Christmas store and we'd make money that we always had something going on. So for my kids, I've done the same thing. Like, hey, they were seven and four. And I pulled them aside and said, summertime, you're seven and four. It's time to get a job. And they were like, what do I do? I said, I don't know. Figure it out. And they said, well, we'll sell lemonade. And I said, what are you going to, how are you going to do that? You got no money. You got no cups, you got no lemonade. And so they went back upstairs and they came down and said, well, we'll, we'll sell advice. So they went out and thing. they sold advice one year. The second year they sold advice and compliments. And uh, we worked on how to give people compliments. And then they finally had enough money to buy the lemonade stuff. So like, you know, just yeah, that's great. that kind of stuff. Like yeah. put them to work. Keep your that's kids awesome. busy and poor, right? <laughs> that's the way to do it. Benign neglect. Benign right. neglect. Busy, poor, get out there, have some purpose. Like this... That's one thing. This hair tie, you see this hair tie? I love this. I don't know why. Mm. This makes me so excited. So this this thing, do you all know what this is? I'm so, holding up a hair tie right now. Yeah. Do you know what it, its purpose is? Hold it together. Uh, just to hold your hair back. Right. You're trying to be deep. This is really simple. <laughs> simple questions. Nasal kind of Dang. questions. Right? It got roasted. So, roasted. <laughs> yeah. So if this dumb piece of plastic has a purpose, then, and I tell my kids this, I believe this, like, then so do we. And if you don't know yep. what your purpose is, then your purpose is to bring joy. And just keep bringing joy until you figure out some other purpose. Mm. So that's how I approach the work and the parenting thing, which is my job is to bring joy. And sometimes people in business need that. And sometimes my kids need that. Mm. And 
Sometimes my yeah. husband needs it. And Speaking of people in business, so when I Googled you, Courtney, and you and I had met 18 years ago, I think. That's right, yeah. I remember you. You don't remember me. I, I was part of a large group, and you were sort of the person leading us through the day. Um, but I saw a quote from Oprah Winfrey. Oh, yeah. Why, why does Oprah Winfrey know you? What, tell us about that. Well, I think that's a little bit of an overplay, but let's go with it. <laughs> I mean, her na- Oprah her- and I were having coffee the other morning, and she said, Courtney, what do you think about... Yeah. No, um, she wanted to do... So she she's a very powerful woman. Well, yeah. As we all know. I learned a little bit about her in this process. She wanted to do an article in her own magazine, and she, I guess she had read about me or see me talk somewhere. I don't know. But she called and said, or her people called and said, we want to do this article. And um, so they sent down a writer and they sent down a, a photographer and they took the pictures, and they wrote the article. And then Oprah read the article and didn't like it. And so they sent down another writer and another photographer. And the headline was, send in the clowns. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> she wanted to write an article about a clown in business. <laughs> and so, you know, so there, that was the article. I got to be the clown in business. Yeah. What does, that, what does it mean in that context? I don't really know still. When I read it, I was like, that's really interesting. Is that what I do? Is that really what this is? Which is fine. If was it, it a positive article? Yeah, it was very yeah, lovely. Okay. It was yeah, just, yeah. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't 100% the truth, but it was a great article. Good read. Yeah, good read. I learned yeah. a lot about like magazines when you read them. Good story might not be factual. Mm, yeah. Uh, okay. Right. Yeah. All right, here's my other fun question I really wanted to ask you. Okay. Mile was your, your thing in college? My, actually, um, I was not fast enough to the mile. I was 5,000, 10,000. Okay. But I ran mile in high school. What's your fastest mile time? Oh, it's not that fast. It's 517. That's smoking fast. That's really fast. Well, yeah. in the big scheme, if you don't run in college, if you're running in college and you don't run a sub five. So in college, the races, the difference between first and last is three seconds. That's crazy. So the first person gets a 452 and the last person, the loser... Runs like a 458. Wow. Yeah. And then the person who runs 517 is like, it's okay, you sit down. We're going we're gonna to have you run six miles on the track. We're going to have counters for you. It's like, Ooh. only 20 laps to go. You know, yeah, yeah it's awesome. Uh, my brother ran cross country and track in college. Did he? And uh, one of the things that I, th- I think he told us about or that I would notice is that, you know, the composition of the race really changes things, like who, who you're running with. Um, that three-second window that you talked about, like being in a race with other people changes the way that you run subtly. You know what I mean? Did, that, ma- happen, did that happen with you? Oh, my gosh. I, mean, I can't say enough good things about cross-country. We talk about feeling alive. When I'm around a cross-country race, my soul feels so alive. It's like electric and it's weird. And like I can burst. I can be like cheering for a child and then burst into tears because I'm so moved by like the guys coming in last. Uh-huh. Cross-country, cross talk about weird. Cross-country is, is a sport for weird for all the way, like, there, think about it. There's no, there's no goals. There's no uh, court. There's no halftime. There's no anything that resembles. It looks more like a crime scene, right? You have a bunch of people on a line, a guy with a gun, and then a bunch of people running for the woods. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's it. And, and there's like some caution it. tape. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a bizarre. It's a bizarre thing. It's painful. No mm-hmm. one will say like, oh, cross country feels so good. It doesn't. It hurts every single person who does it, and then they'll tell you that's why they love it. So you're like, your brother's a little tweaked and I already like him. 
Oh yeah, he's a he's an animal, and actually, this is Andrew. This is Andrew, yeah. and I've, I think I've told this on the podcast before. But when he was interviewing for jobs and he was trying to get a job, one of the people he talked to, his daughter, I think, ran cross country, and he, and the the interviewer knew just from the fact that my brother ran cross country that he had the the grit to just tough out such a difficult and seemingly aimless and and never ending sport like cross country. It's so. just it's amazing, and the best part about it is the worst player gets the most playing time. Like that's the one thing I love about the sport <laughs> so much. Funny. Like the guy who runs the fastest, like that's amazing. But it's the kid who's out there for double the time. Yeah, you know, with their heart rate up, that that that's amazing. Like each mm, thing, yeah. you can be so moved by each person who's who's there. It's mm. just it's exciting. You're a runner. Did you know that? I can kind of tell. Um, you may not have run before, but you have it in you. I ran cross country in high school. Yeah, yeah. And then I was a swimmer too. You were okay. Yeah, and then I did play ultimate frisbee. Okay, well there you go. Less less cross country, more of like a burst sprinting type. Sure. But uh. Yeah, I um, yeah. What, what makes you say that I'm a runner? Well, I don't know. When I walked in, I was like, "He's a runner." Okay. Yeah, you just have that like runner vibe. Okay, very cool. Yeah, okay. It is. It's a runner compliment. vibe. That's right. <clears throat> I'll take it. Yeah, it's been a while since I ran, so I'm, it's good to see that the vibe is still. It's there. The present. vibe is alive. The, the force aura. is strong within you. Okay. I, I think it's maintained because yeah. of uh, your veganism. So. <sighs> Yes, yeah, so you might not remember my name, but but Daniel, Daniel, Daniel is, is that right? Is it Daniel? It is, it is. It okay, is. phew. But uh, I, I got it. I'm gonna okay. sing. It's Elton John. Elton John's got me. Here. But if you just say like runner vibe, then I I wouldn't be offended at all by that. I'd be like, okay, totally. that's that's who uh, that's the impression I give. So there you go. The two, I, the two of you aren't talking about it, but I didn't do not give off the runner vibe. No, you know, I was about to say Paul, not so much runner vibe. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, Linebacker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, left tackle for uh, yeah. There you go. Hey, uh, ask the standard question if you don't mind, Daniel. Okay. Oh, there's a standard question. Uh, we Uh-oh. ask every guest this question. Oh, I, I, I only fail standard bit. questions. It's not like standardized. No, it's multiple choice. Okay. Uh, a. A. I'm gonna uh, pick now. Well, you not, have to, you have to pick one. Okay. So you can't walk away from the question. Uh, it's a hypothetical. So option A is being a stand-up comedian and like just well not being one but just trying. You know, kind of like what you do with Nashville with your country career, just going every yeah. every week and just trying to be a stand-up yeah. comedian. Um, option B is enlisting in the military. Uh, you know, and we we like to say for four years, but really it's just okay comedy or military. Which one would you go down? And you're 25. And you have, okay, thank you. I was going to ask. You have no other responsibilities. So I have a story to answer that question. So I have tried the stand-up comedy thing. Okay. Okay, so I did it when I moved to Dallas. We didn't know anybody. And it was sort of a lonely existence for those first six months. So I was like, you know what? I don't know anyone in this town. I'm going to stand up comedy. So I put on my wedding dress because I thought that was funny. Like, it's my, this is so stupid. It's my first time. I'll wear my wedding dress. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I, so I wore my wedding dress and I went to this comedy club and I told my husband, I was like, I'll be back. You know, it starts at eight. I'll probably be home by like 930. Wish me luck. I had a little, I worked up a little bit. It was like, you know, a three minute thing. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, I thought it was kind of funny. Anyway, so... I kept waiting to, like, they, they didn't tell you when you were going to go. They just put you in the audience. And they'd be like, and the next up is, and you'd, like, your adrenaline would be like, Whoo! and you're, you know, Every time. Every time. And you yeah. just start sweating. You're like, oh, my God, where am going to go? And so it started at 8. I got there at 7, waiting in, like, a cattle, you know, a cattle roundup. And oh, you all go in. Yeah. At, they, the, the roofie jokes started at uh, midnight. The ones about, like... It, really, really bad. I was a mother at that point, and I was yeah, like, like oh, this on. is not funny. By the time I went up, there was like a guy with a prosthetic arm and like three people who were high from the parking lot and like some old woman who didn't have a place to go. And it was two in the morning. And so then I, you know, 
did it. And it was, it was, it felt, it felt like a little bit of like, if this is what you have to do to do comedy, I might have to join the military, mm. right? I don't want to stay. But if I can be 25, where I might think some of those jokes are still funny and don't care what time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a definitely a, yeah. um, it's it, definitely. Amazing that you had that uh, perseverance to stay all the way to, till 2 a.m. I know. And I fried my adrenal gland. I went home and I was like, uh, <laughs> you know, I really messed myself up. <laughs> I had to do the whole 30 afterwards just to get it all like dialed back in. It was bad. Oh, wow. So I don't know if I answered the question. I, I, I don't know. It was a part of me that would love to go in the military, but not war, you know, mm-hmm. but maybe mm-hmm. I just like having military friends. So I'll choose comedy. Okay. Right, yeah. Nice. That's one for Daniel. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, Sorry. I just, no, it's all good. But I mean, I'm a military person. My my dad was in the Marines, and I I'm, I love the idea. But me I think too. I'll go comedy. Yeah. And yeah. you keep saying like you say that comedy is one for me. But yeah, because like, you're going to do stand up. I'm not someday. a comedian. Yeah, you're you going to do stand up. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a it's a pretty cool challenge. Like, it is. I would put that up against like if you get a speeding ticket, definitely go to court. Because then you have to talk to the judge. Mm-hmm. You don't meet many people in the world who would actually intimidate you, but judges are intimidating. Yeah. So sometimes when I get a ticket, I'm like, awesome. I get to go be in front of a judge. Like it's a little test, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? And so it's like Put yourself this, in the arena. That's right. Yeah. Right? Sometimes I just like push the pedal down just to get the experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, just go 95. Yeah. yeah, just go. Go. And they pull you over and you're like, I know, I know. Write me the ticket. Let's go. Yeah. Right? Court date. When's my court date? <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> Spe- speeding so you can go in front of a judge. Yeah, one yeah. time I got I got three tickets in a row, which is a little hairy because in the same drive. No, like you know, in the same month probably. Okay, it's right before I got married. You almost lose your license at that it point. It's bad. Right? It's bad. But the thing is, is that none of them knew about the other because you have to go to court for it to be put on your. Oh, to get the point. Yeah, and I didn't at that time. I didn't have oh, enough money to hire three different lawyers. That was going to be sort of steep. So I decided, like, okay, I'm going into this first one. And I will probably lose, but I'm going to see how long I can talk to the judge. Like, that's going to be my goal. It was in Louisa County. You can only be two things in Louisa, a police officer or a lawyer. That's it. Maybe there's one judge, but so I guess you can be three things. Anyway, I got my ticket. I went in. I was so nervous. And everyone, I pled not guilty, and everyone was going up ahead of me, and they were all talking really softly. Like, yes, Your Honor. Like, the guy was older, and he couldn't hear. And I've, I've been raised around old people. Like, you got to talk really loud when you're talking to old people. Can you turn the, the TVs on decibel 10 oh, yeah. always my whole life? It's just a normal way to listen to TV. I think it's why yep. I talk so loud. So I was like, I got it. All you got to do is copy what the police officer says and talk really loud. So then the police officer's like, yeah, um, I pulled over Mrs. Farrell on October 2nd. Uh, she was going this and that. When I just repeated, I was like, it is true, your honor. I was driving on October 2nd. Officer Handy did pull me over. We did have a kind of kept going the thing. And he was so glad he could hear me. He let me off. Wow. It was no crazy. Way. Oh, yeah. He was just like, done. I could hear. He, was just, he was just convicting people before. He's like, I can't hear you. They're guilty. Mm. He was being annoyed with the people he couldn't understand. Yeah. Well, it filled me with this feeling of like, I got it. I beat the system. Yeah. yeah. I was like going for the next two. You did off. beat the system. I got off all three. Yeah, but if one had fallen, I, I would have been, you know, but I, I was proud about that. That's incredible. It didn't All do three. much for my speeding habit, though, because it, like, emboldened me. Right, mm, right. right. I, I can do this anytime I want. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, my, some people learn lessons, but that's, other people just learn, like, oh, there's a, there's a loophole here. Right. Right? Right. I'm a loophole girl. As long as there's not, like, a young judge that happens to be there that isn't ready for the spunk. That's true. But, you know, who, most judges are old. But uh, my friend got um, pulled over for an illegal U-turn. 
And he got a ticket and everything, had a court date. And we were all like, you're not going to get out of it, man. Uh, but he had this brazen confidence. And he put a suit on, dressed up, looked really nice, went to the court date and, and defended himself. I don't know how he even defended himself because it's an illegal U-turn. But um, I think that something about just his presentation and, and his presence. confidence was, uh, was enough. And the judge was like, all right, well, don't do it again. And he got off. And, and we were all just, our minds were blown. Blown. Yeah. I, I have a buddy who went in um, for, he and his friends were out one night and they got smoked up, at, just drunk. And they were jumping on rooftops of cars and they landed on a, a convertible. And so they, they poked through and, you know, they got Ooh. caught. So they all, three of them got pulled into a courthouse and um, they, uh, they were sitting in this courtroom. It was in California. All three of them were sitting on the bench and the guy who went up before them was German, spoke German. Mm. And the judge said, does anybody in here speak German? And my buddy's friend raises his hand. My buddy's like, oh, my God. You know, he knows his friend doesn't speak German. Right. He's like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But these are the same guys who are jumping on cars. But these are the yeah. same guys who are jumping on roof cars. Yeah, so he walks up to the front, and the judge says, do you speak German? And he says, yes, Your Honor. He said, could you please ask this man what his name is? And the boy puts his two fingers under his nose, puts his hand in the air, and he goes, <laughs> what is your name? And uh, they, oh they did not get off of their ticket. No, they did not. <laughs> they did not get they, off of their they ticket. May, they might have picked up a couple more yeah, tickets. They did not. They? But there's some small part of me that loves it, that that exists in the world. Yeah, or that people just, um, instead of deciding to meekly get up there and just accept fate, to just, let's try and just something. Just go for it. Yeah. You know, this is my life. I'm going to make a story here. Let's go. If you don't swing the bat, you can't hit a home run. That's exactly. Right. All right, Courtney, we've been recording for probably an hour and a half. Yep, just about. Yeah, uh, let's, let's end this particular episode with uh, a couple of random ideas that make you smile. Okay. Be, beyond beyond the, uh, the 15 we've already talked about. Okay, I've got a, I've got a bunch. Let's see here. Um, I'm fascinated with the idea of, of lost and found. I think that's pretty much what are like the highs and lows of our life. It's it's losing, yeah. you know, something. Your self confidence, your like spark, your marbles, whatever it is. You've lost something. You go down and have a little struggle, and that gives you contrast in life to be able to like when you find something, be really excited. So mm-hmm. I've started to put uh, out signs in coffee houses when I lose something. So like uh, I lost a lucky penny, and so I put up a sign that said <laughs> "Lost Lucky Penny." Uh, description, uh, <laughs> copper in color, Lincoln on front, super lucky looking. Uh, I'm a bit down on my luck. I need a little in my life. If you find it, please, please send it my way. And I cannot tell you the amazing responses that I have gotten. Oh, I bet. One, yeah. one kid wrote me and he said, I found this penny. It was made in 2011. <laughs> and my brother was born in 2010 and he is super special. <laughs> i like... I love this kid. Another guy wrote and he said, I found your penny in my driveway. Uh, I picked it up and put it in my pocket. And within two hours, my pen ran out of ink and my girlfriend broke up with me. So you can have the damn thing back. (laughs) Uh, And so that has been awesome. I I put out a sign that said, uh, lost grandmother's apple pie recipe. Because my grandmother had this awesome apple pie. I don't have the recipe. I figured like, you know, maybe somebody else. Would yeah. have a grandmother had a recipe. In Virginia? Oh, yeah. In Virginia. It's my closest connection to her. I've received hundreds of apple pie recipes. One woman took, the, took her grandmother's apple pie recipe and cut it up and did a collage picture of her grandmother with the recipe. Oh. It's just 
it's phenomenal. So wow. anyway, that makes me smile. Um, messages and bottles make me smile. I like them. I do, I've never found one. We all know what they are. Have you all ever found one before? No. I've never found one. Like no. I said, this, it feels wrong to me. Like we all are aware of what messages and bottles are, but we've never found one. Right. So I put them out in the world a lot. Oh, share the uh, tombstone in Hollywood Cemetery. Oh, I will. Story. I will. Actually, I will show that. So there's this, um, this does make me smile. I, I, there's this uh, tombstone in Hollywood Cemetery. I was walking through Hollywood Cemetery one day and I saw this tombstone. And I just had to sit down and have a picnic because it said, Margarita Daniels. She always said her feet were killing her and nobody would listen. <laughs> and my husband actually knows and is great friends with the woman who made that tombstone for her mother. Her name's Rita McNelly. She's one of Richmond's like, lovely artists. And so I was talking to her later, much later in life. I said, you're the, you're the person who made that tombstone? Like That makes everything in life make sense to me. Like Someone mm. would put that on your tombstone. It's just so beautiful. I said, what do you want on yours? And she said, oh, on my tombstone, I'm going to put, is it just me or is it hot in here? <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty funny for anyone who's over 50. Yes, that and is a woman. very funny. Anyway, so I, because we can do this one more poem and I'll stop. But yeah, when sure. I saw that, yeah. I had to write a poem about that, about Why, that tombstone. Yeah. Like, how you? could you not? Yeah. How could you not? So it's called, it's, it's very like Shel Silverstein-y, so mm. whatever. It's called Here Lies Mother. Margarita, da- oh, sorry. Margarita McNelly had painful feet, the meanest feet you'd ever meet, and so she would repeat the beat, my feet are killing me. From the time that M was two, her feet did not take to a shoe. The first word she learned to coo, my feet are killing me. And as she grew, so did her plight. The doctors tried to make her right, but she would say, despite this fight, my feet are killing me. And at her wedding, bells are ringing, piano keys are tingling, a bride-to-be was softly singing, my feet are killing me. And on the day her child was born, she asked for pills from night till morn. She cried in pain, a voice forlorn. My feet are killing me. Her children rubbed her husband needed those aching feet while M was seated. And still her mantra, she repeated, my feet are killing me. And then when she was older still, she'd had enough, she had her fill. And so she'd stay in, fill, and so she'd stay in voices shrill, my feet are killing me. And then one day she did not stir, her body ready to inter. At long last, the pain removed, the darling girl had been dehooved. And so upon her gravestone marker, above the place where they did park her, sat the tribute to the feet that were guilty of the death of her. Here lies mother. She always said her feet were killing her. It's fantastic. That is, yeah. I don't know. I if love it the is, rhythm. It no, makes, it's really good. It makes me smile. Yeah. Those things, you know what else makes me smile? Mm. You know when you go to the airport and you're standing in line and they have that machine they want you to walk through that yeah. gives you radiation? You can opt out of that and get a massage. Like they'll come up to you <laughs> and they'll be like, hey, I'm going to touch you in a lot of places. I'm going to have to use the back of my hands. And I'm like, yep, that's great. Yep, go. It's like, do you have any sensitive spot? Absolutely I do. And I hope you work hard on those. You know, like you should do that. Like that's my social life when I'm traveling. Just that little like pat down. You it's get to pat all, down every it's, time. No, it's awesome. Mm. So it's the small things in life. You got to kind of like just grab, you know, oh, just man. go through that other machine. Right. Get the massage. Yeah, like and they're thorough too. They are thorough. <laughs> like it's a full body, and you don't pay anything. Like that's just part of the price of the ticket. Yeah, the government's giving you free. It's massages. amazing. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty great. You don't get the peanuts anymore. You know when you fly, they don't. Yep. It's done. So no cards, but you can get the massage. <laughs> I never thought Gosh. about it as a massage. Yeah. That's it, it. It really seems like you go around and, and these little things that you do just make other people's day. I, it, it, all these random things that you've talked about seem like day makers, the penny and the, the recipes and the, the airport I'm, things. I might so, start doing that. 
Yeah, it's the it's lucky, awesome. I love the lucky penny thing. It has been fantastic Thank talking you all. tonight, Courtney. We wish you and Mason a ton of luck getting your podcast started. Thank you. And we will help you in any way we, we can. And thank you to Absolutely. anyone who is out there listening, hearing all that stuff. And I may be weird, but I'm not a weirdo. Like the cousin thing is, was probably the wrong thing to share. <laughs> like that's not very cool in 2020. It's okay. Like you said, history is history. History is history. It, it is what yeah. it is. We yeah. should tell it accurately. That's right. That's right. Thanks cool. for being here. All right. Thank you all. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe through whichever app you're using. To share your thoughts, head over to our website at podso1.io, and there you can comment on episodes or send us feedback directly. Thanks for listening.